Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I was reading the story of uh, Nadia Murad earlier this week. She's a Yazidi woman, young Yazidi woman who experienced absolute hell at the hands of ISIS. Her six brothers were murdered. Her mother was murdered. She was taken into uh, slavery. She was regularly raped and uh, turned over for gang rapes by the original rapist until she finally escaped. That was one story. This is, uh, this is just a snapshot. Look up, the, uh, look up the story of Nadia Murad, M-U-R-A-D. It'll break your heart. And this was the hands of ISIS. And remember that our federal members of parliament, all parties, unanimously last year, 2016, declared that Yazidis were the victims of genocide at the hands of ISIS. And yet we have the Liberal Party of Canada, led by Justin Trudeau, and they're all following him, the Pied Piper, by agreeing to welcome to this country, welcome back to this country, individuals who left Canada to join ISIS, swear allegiance to the death cult. The prime minister says those that are coming back will perhaps contribute extraordinarily to Canada. So tomorrow on this program, we'll be talking to uh, a Yazidi woman. Uh, She's a human rights activist. And we'll talk to her about what is going on with the Yazidis. 200,000 200, of them uh, are without, without a home, without anything. The United Nations isn't doing anything for them either. This is what they say. And Canada has admitted 1,200, 1,200 Yazidis. As the prime minister of this country repeatedly tells us whenever there is an issue that suggests that racism, to him anyway, suggests that racism may be involved. Like the 11-year-old girl whose hijab was slashed twice by a non-existent male. Prime Minister tells us we can do better. So maybe we can turn around and say to the Prime Minister we can do better. And again, this is just uh, one line, one sentence, two sentences, from a member of an international organization, Yazidi International Organization. Hello, Roy. I find the news about Canada's prime minister's decision disturbing. It is as if with that decision, he's endorsing what ISIS has done to the infidels. It is no different than saying, yeah, some people are worthy of respect and living in a dignified life, but that is only some people. So I want you to hear tomorrow, also, also on that show tomorrow, We'll be speaking to a Canadian woman who joined a Kurdish all-female military unit, um, I guess military unit, paramilitary unit, that was in combat with ISIS. So I want you to hear that. 
But whenever we talk about ISIS, when we talk about terrorism, when we talk about national security, when we talk about taking care of situations that, that, that require proper addressing security issues, we like to speak with uh, former Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day. He's the former commanding officer of Joint Task Force 2, Canada's Special Forces uh, Counterterrorism Unit. And Colonel Day is with us uh, on the program today. Colonel Day, good to talk to you. Roy, sir, it's a pleasure to be with you and your listeners again. And I uh, also want to mention that you are the president and the founder of Radical. And uh, we're going to talk about, about Radical as well, what you do at, uh, at Radical and uh, strategic risk management training and innovation services. And risk management these days seems to be a, a, a growing enterprise. But let, let me start with this. It's a story I read this morning, saw this morning. Huge loss of life in Afghanistan, 95 dead, many more injured because of a terror attack. Who's attacking whom in Afghanistan? Well, again, as, as we see in Afghanistan and across the Levant and wider Middle East, um, you, you've got these disenfranchised, irrespective of what we want to call them, ISIS, ta- uh, Taliban, al-Shabaab, um, the, these numerous groups, Hezbollah, all across this area of the world where they have no opportunity to advance within society, and so they get radicalized, um, and they just start, quite frankly, striking out at anyone they can. They look for soft targets, they exploit soft targets, and they create these spectacular events, and that's exactly what we saw in Kabul uh, in the last 48 hours. 95 people. When, when you were, uh, when you were in, in Afghanistan and when you were in, in the Middle East, did you witness results of atrocities committed by ISIS? Yeah, yes, sir. As, as part of our targeting process, when we are trying to uh, target that human network, you want to make sure, again, based on Canadian values and Canadian rules of law and Canadian rules of engagement, if we're going to, you know, target a another human being, manhunting, manhunting as we used to call it, we want to make sure that we've got a body of intelligence and evidence that says this is a player as part of a larger network that we need to remove from the battlefield. And so as a result of that, yes, we, we would often come uh, face-to-face with a number of very uh, disturbing either images or scenes or, or places that... Uh, that we've been. Colonel Day, if I may ask, how do you, how do you deal with that? Well, again, you, you want to, and, and your team, we, we need to be shored up that morally we're doing the right thing, ethically we're doing the right thing, and quite honestly we are the absolute tip of the spear, and the, the nation of Canada and Canadians uh, believes in what we're doing and wants us to go out and keep those threats offshore, keep those fires burning as far from the Canadian homeland as we can, and quite frankly, try and extinguish them over there. So uh, when, we, when you see the men and women in, in the Canadian Armed Forces and uh, across the other wider national security apparatus, those men and women are very much em- empowered and strengthened by the, you know, the Canadians, everyday Canadians, and their show of support for what we're doing and the risks that them and their families are, are taking on our collective behalf. And yet here we have, coming into this country, returning to Canada, individuals who left with the express intent to join ISIS and participate with this death cult in some of the circumstances we've described, you've described in, 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 in greater detail and what you've been able to do about it. But now the prime minister says they can come back here and they can create some extraordinary 
opportunities. And I, I'm wondering how you might, how you do, how you view this policy, and and what does it do to 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 this country and and the values that we that we have. Well, it, it's interesting. It's clearly a um, it's a political position. It's a policy position, as you've mentioned. And those political and policy decisions are often very well informed by the larger national security apparatus, that being the RCMP, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, and Department of National Defense and Foreign Affairs. So they provide input to the politicians, but at the end of the day, the politicians make the call on what the policy is going to be. So when I see a policy such as this announced, um, part of me says, okay, we, we don't quite understand that when we've got folks that are truly radicalized, and hardened and have left this country and this safe haven to go somewhere else to bring harm and destruction and do heinous acts, those people, generally speaking, are very, very hard to rehabilitate. And generally speaking, if you cannot rehabilitate someone, um, it, it becomes a situation, well, are we going to lock them up if they come back home and then pay, addition, pay additional pay taxpayers to keep them in our five-star jails? Or what are we going to do with these people? Because in some cases, you simply cannot ra- ra- uh, de-radicalize them. It's a very, very d- tough, uh, tough uh, policy and tough um, process to try and work through. So when you bring them back, you're actually providing them with opportunity. Well, again, depending on as they come back into the country, um, how they are bringing, how they are coming back. Um, because in some cases, um, in some cases, and please don't misunderstand the, the comment, some of them are just... Uh, misinformed or or youth or young men who just don't understand what they were really going to do. And those men, largely, uh, fewer women, you know, we can work with them, but I would argue in the majority of cases, people that leave to commit acts offshore, um, we need to find a much more harsher way to deal with them. Now, you, you know better than I, Colonel Day, that uh, the, the Americans, the Brits, the French... The Australians sent, told their, instructed their special forces units, the Brits telling the SAS this is the most important mission in the 75-year history of the regiment. They ordered them to go and find their, their actual national citizens who were joined ISIS and kill them before they could return to their native countries. Um, I, yeah, I, you were going to say something. Well, I was going to say, yes, yeah, so that's, that's very much in the vernacular known as manhunting, where you're, you're trying to take apart that network, right? And, and the U.K. in particular, the U.S. less so, and Australia less so again, but the U.K. in particular and France is the next. They have got significant societal challenges in their home countries, and they really don't want these cancers returning home to spread on their, on their home so- soil. So that is one of the... Uh, the, the considerations on those policies, and it is—it's about targeting. If these people are doing things, and as we continue to win and clean up in uh, northern Iraq and, and Syria, the reality is some of these cockroaches—and I—and I use that word deliberately—are going to scurry away and pop up somewhere else. And we're going to be dealing with them again. So you need to keep the pressure on them. And and if they if they uh, if they're not caught, if they're not dealt with. In, uh, in the Middle East, they may be necessarily have to be dealt with at home. A- absolutely. And this is where we start talking about what's, uh, what's a true threat. And so threats in the, in the security um, sphere very much have two components. Intent, meaning you wish to do something, and a capacity or ability to actually carry out your, your intent. 
And often you will see people with, uh, with, you know, ideas, but they have no ability or capacity to go follow through on the plan. So there's a threat there. There's a latent threat there, but it's not an urgent or an important threat you need to deal with immediately. So these, these people who have gone offshore, who have fought and gained significant combat experiences in some cases, when they do come home, they have not only intent, they actually do have some abilities. They've learned a few things while they've been over doing what they've been doing in the Middle East. So they could be a match for a local police department. They could very much be a match for a local police department. They could be a match, quite frankly, for the national level, because these are these can be those lone wolf actors, which are very, very difficult to track and stay in front of. Very Colonel, difficult. Colonel Day, please stay with us. We're going to come back with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day, the former commanding officer of Joint Task Force 2. They also have JTF2 also has a national domestic component. Most counterterrorism units, most special forces military units, only have a um, have an international obligation or an international focus, but JTF2 also has a national and a domestic focus. We'll come back. Stay with us. You listen to Green. green. You might turn red. red. This is the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. We're back on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day, retired former commanding officer of Joint Task Force 2 and the founder of Reticle, and it's uh, reticle.ca, uh, company security officer, and I'm uh, just reading this from uh, Reticle's information. Reticle believes that our proven approach to solving wicked problems cultivated and refined over decades of service in Canada's first-tier special operations unit can help others in navigating today's highly ambiguous, networked, and complex global environment. Colonel Day, it is a complex global environment. And where does your company come into play as far as engaging with Canadians and Canadian companies and others who might look to you for advice and and, uh, and information and training in a world that is, frankly, increasingly dangerous? It is, Roy. And so from a, from a corporate perspective, we deal with individual Canadians and families. We deal with corporations, large corporations across many different sectors. And we do deal with uh, municipal, provincial and federal level law enforcement and uh, security actors. And we, we help them based on what we learned and our team learned over decades in, in JTF2. And a lot of that is about a proven process that enables our operators in the, in the special operations world to prosecute those missions of the highest national security concerns and, quite frankly, um, win, win in that space. And so this weekend, as a simple example, we have the Smith School of Business from Queen's University. This is a top 50 in the world business school, and we have approximately 55 of their students with us for the entire weekend, and they are learning about leadership, uh, teamwork, and how you work in an ambiguous 21st environment and how you network and just solve problems. And we've got them all weekend, and this is a, we've got a partnership with Smith. So I use it as one example because many people look at us and think we're doing security things. Yes, we do, 
but we also help other Canadians with other, like you said, wicked problems or challenges. So what are this, what are the wicked problems that you face? And I, I understand that when you're out in the in the field and you have decisions to make and you're facing, uh, you, you can plan and you can uh, you can have your operations uh, set as much as possible, but variables appear and change the whole situation, and, and you have to have to react immediately and still win in that space, as you said. So what are the, what are the wicked problems that that that, that, that you face? Well, again, an example from a special operation, um, you know, if, if you are taking a very small team and you are deploying it across the globe into a relatively hostile environment to gather information and to ultimately rescue a Canadian hostage, that small team needs to function as, quite frankly, one cell. And they need to be able to work and rapidly absorb information and make decisions in the moment that sets the team up for success. And we, we are a firm believer that there's almost no problem, no security problem within reason, that six of the people, when they are focused on it, they come together, they think through it, and they believe in the mission, those six men or women can uh, resolve most national security challenges if enabled by the, the larger organizations. All right. And so you're, it's radical.ca. That is the, uh, the website. Colonel Day, JTF2, as you've said has domestic responsibilities, what sort of plausible scenario in 2018 might see the deployment of JTF-2 internally in this country? Well, we, we talked about Kabul, for example, at the top of the, the, the show. Mm-hmm. And if you look at those, what, again, are called spectacular events, those events uh, could be a hostage-taking. It could be a national security event like we have uh, coming up this June in the Ottawa area. When you've got G7s, G20s, Olympic Games, you've got, you've got national security challenges for all these, these major issues. And you need to have a, a network team that is looking across them. And then you need to have a surgical response. The last thing any Canadian wants to see is one of our uh, events, which may or may not be a soft target, being attacked. And then somebody coming in with a sledgehammer to resolve it, vice scalpel. And JTF2 is very much a scalpel it is the tip of the spear. It is about the surgical application of force when you are trying to resolve an issue that generally has uh, significant political risk and national security concerns. Oh. So that's why JTF2 domestically is working at that, that true tip of the spear for staying in front of uh, those, those lone wolves as best we can in partnership with the RCMP, CSIS, and the broader national security community. Colonel Day, all I can say is thank you. Uh, thanks to you and thanks to your JTF2 unit for keeping us safe and being out on the tip of the spear. Thanks for the time today. Always good speaking with you, sir. You too, sir. Have a great weekend. Steve Day, Colonel Steve Day from uh, Joint Task Force 2. Radical.ca is his website. When we come back, it's Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, and Michelle Simpson, Beauties and the Beast, on the Chorus Radio Network.